morning, afternoon, evening, everybody. My name is John. I'm Aaron. And I'm Nikki. And welcome to Rocky Talkie, where we're going to talk a lot about Rocky Horror. How's, how, how are the two of you doing today? How are you, Aaron? Oh, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I've had a busy week with a lot of work and a lot of staying home. Uh, I got a couple new books in the mail, so some extra Rocky stuff to look at for me this week. So that's been a lot of fun. What's going on with you? Honestly, I have done pretty much nothing with my past two weeks, but I have drank an unholy amount of Arizona iced tea, so I feel like that's something really exciting for me lately. Hey, somebody asked me what I did. Hey, John, what'd you do? Yo, absolutely nothing. Coolest part of my week was uh, yesterday I was streaming Toy Story 2 Buzz Lightyear to the Rescue on Twitch, and I ended up getting a max viewer count of like 74 people. It was wild whoa oh, shit. that's awesome i know right i'm like famous now well hopefully you'll still keep doing this with us here even though your newfound celebrity is taken off <laughs> you're you're being silly aaron the only reason i'm a celebrity now is because of rocky talkie all right y'all who's ready to talk about some rocky news yeah let's start with some global news Cool. So the 30th anniversary of the VHS release was this week. That's uh, 30 years ago that it first came out, the U.S. VHS. It was originally released uh, November 8th, 1990, and uh, this is the week where we celebrate the 30th anniversary. It was really big at the time. When it came out, it retailed for the low, low cost of $89.95. You're telling me these people paid $90 for a fucking VHS? All right, in fairness, VHSs were, like, a really, really hot commodity. Like, so hot back in the day that you had to fucking rent them. Like, people couldn't even buy these things. Yeah, I mean, most videos, like, they came out with such a high price point because, like, video stores were the ones that were buying them. A few years later, they'd do, like, a re-release for, like, 20 or 30 bucks. And, like, Rocky did the same thing. There was a second version later that was lower that everybody could afford. But the first ones, they went to rental stores. It was definitely a big deal. It was the first VHS release of Rocky Horror for the U.S. audience. Could you imagine shadow casting Rocky before you had a copy of the movie you could watch at home? Like, all of these people just had the soundtrack on vinyl or cassette. And if yeah. I'm being honest, I don't even know what a cassette is. So I would be fucked. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, God, Aaron, why are we doing this podcast with a literal child? I don't know, man. <laughs> well, they even went crazy on the original packaging for the VHS. Like, parts of the tape were colored red. They had, like, this really special black and red label. The outer slipcase that the VHS would go into, it had, like, this embossed pair of lips and had this red logo with, like, really reflective highlights. Like, did you know that they make those things into lamps on Etsy now? Oh, good. Destroying all of those collectibles that you could purchase on eBay for $10. So I, I don't think anybody's missing out. Right, exactly. Yeah, I mean, what a lot of people don't remember today is that this was, like, such a major event for the community. You know, it was the first time that Rocky was coming out on video and people could see it. Local rental stores, they all, like, tapped the casts in their area to come and promote the release. In New York City, Sal Piero writes that he and the 8th Street Playhouse toured video stores up and down Manhattan, fully clad in their fishnets and heels, just running around. Surprisingly, he says that the Times Square locations were the least receptive. Although, given what was going on in Times Square in the late 80s, early 90s, that seems pretty fair. Yeah, absolutely fair. There was actually a lot of controversy 
and a lot of people were being really gatekeepy at the time like the vhs release wouldn't really convey you know who the real rocky horror experience like you have to be in a theater throwing rice at these poor people in order to get the full experience kind of stuff but in a tv guide article that was written in 1990 lou adler said that he had resisted putting rocky on vhs because it might quote unquote hurt the film but he finally agreed after bob delellis who was the cbs fox president at the time was the one who pushed for the video release and adler said that he just kind of eventually agreed he said the film has more aware non-viewers than any other film they either don't want to stay up until midnight or they're not quite sure what they're getting into and this was an attempt to open it up to them which honestly i think is is pretty cool I mean, they did it in Perks of Being a Wallflower, so why not do it back in the 90s? Wait, Perks of Being a Wallflower takes place in the 90s. So speaking of (laughs) non-viewers... Speaking of non-viewers, did you guys hear about this? Aiden Zane was nominated for a 2020 Wowie Award. Why do we have to talk about this? I don't know who that is. Okay, well, I'm sorry, John, but let's jump into it. The World of Wonder Wowie Awards... They're, they're a celebration of the best in artistry, activism, entertainment. Uh, they reward contributors in everything from fashion and beauty to music and art, like all the way to politics and social media. They have categories for outstanding correspondent with nominees like Rachel Maddow and Trevor Noah and categories for outstanding clapback with nominees like Claudia Conway. So it certainly is covering the bases. And uh, for Aaron's sake as well as for all of you who have no fucking idea who Aiden Zane is, uh, let me drop some knowledge on you. So Aiden Zane was a contestant on RuPaul's Drag Race Season 12. She placed 10th, which is uh, not very good, but delightfully middle of the pack. She recently came out with a new single called BOO, in all caps, very important. And this past week, she was nominated for a Wowie Award for Outstanding New Artist. Hold on, like, I... I know the drag community is super relevant, right? We're all really cool with that. But like, how is this Rocky related? No, that's fair. So earlier this year, during her time on Drag Race, Aiden Zane impersonated Patricia Quinn during a show segment called Snatch Game, where the contestants do celebrity impersonations. The performance heavily leaned into the idea that Pat's memory was shot due to years of substance abuse. It was super uncomfortable. As somebody who watched that episode happen in real time... It was one of the biggest train wrecks that has ever happened during a Snatch Game performance. I love Drag Race, so when I watched that, it was cringy. I didn't like Aiden to begin with, but after that, I was like, nope, that ain't it. But during the game, Aiden seemed like she didn't know how to improv a lot of the answers. And that's kind of what Snatch Game is all about. It's about being able to improvise your celebrity impression. So a lot of the questions that she was given, she just didn't know how to answer. So she just kind of fell back on the, I don't even know where I am right now. Aiden did not impress the judges with her Pat Quinn impression whatsoever. And she ended up being voted off after the challenge for portraying Pat Quinn as forgetful and for also failing to do a British accent, which like, come on, Pat Quinn is British. Wait, seriously? Yeah, I shit you not. Did not even give Pat Quinn a British accent. That seems like the baseline requirement, right? Okay, okay. The judges were certainly not the only people that weren't impressed because Patricia Quinn literally lost her mind after seeing herself portrayed this way. 
She took to social media where she complained loudly about both Aiden and the show and went on to release the following in a press statement. Oh, I can't wait to hear this. <laughs> I love this. She said, well, damn it, Janet. I have been an actress since I came over on the boat from Northern Ireland to London nearly 60 years ago without a penny because I wanted to act. I have never been interested in drugs, and with regards to my memory, I was recently applauded on stage for my sharp recollections of filming the Rocky Horror Picture Show. I am disgusted beyond belief at how I was portrayed on RuPaul's Drag Race. I was flattered that a young person wanted to portray me on a popular TV show, but unfortunately this is where the flattery ends. I did not respect being described as an old cookie woman or being depicted as a washed up actress who has taken too many drugs. I'm actually filming a new movie later this year and look forward to that and there will be no drugs on set. Well not from me anyway. I wish Aiden had given me the common courtesy of a heads up, and maybe I could have given him a few lines to say on the show. I want to thank my Rocky Horror fans who have been amazing and shown me overwhelming support. I couldn't ask for a better fan base. I do not know Aiden, but I do not wish him the upset or distress that I have felt in these past few days. <laughs> Microphone dropped. That was a so, mouthful. Yeah. I, I mean, honestly, I don't blame her for being as angry as she was. If anyone who has not seen it, just, just YouTube it. It's... It's something. So this weird feud between Aiden Zane and Pat Quinn, which nobody had on their 2020 bingo card, went on for like a few weeks before it kind of fizzled out. It probably helped that Aiden was cut as a contestant like immediately after this happened. But this was back in April. Up until recently, Aiden hasn't really been promoting any other projects since getting cut. And to be fair, nobody has done much since April because of the everything outside. But it looks like she's been working on her music career and is doing pretty well for herself. I mean, yeah, I'm glad she was able to get past that weird internet drama with Pat. And now she's being nominated for a Wowie. Wowie, that's awesome. I'm sorry. The awards winners will be announced on December 4th, 2020 with their first live stream Wowie Awards ceremony featuring extra special live performances from some of our favorite drag queens. If you want more info, go to worldofwonder.net for deets about the event. Yeah, so next up, we're going to be talking a little bit about the, the UK tour. Their dates were announced. They're moving full steam ahead this week. They've had scheduled already 24 different locations with dates so far, beginning in mid-March and running through early October. Now, if this tour actually happens, there's got to be more dates that are going to be scheduled because let's be real friends. Who the fuck ends a Rocky Horror Show tour right before Halloween? <laughs> yeah, I would expect to see some more coming from that. That's a missed opportunity. Oh, for sure. So they're confident about the tour, but they're not confident about the end of it? I don't know. Richard O'Brien made a statement. It was posted to the UK fan club group. Uh, it was kind of cute. Here's what it said. We could all do with a huge liberal dose of what's good for us at present. And to that end, we look forward to seeing you in 2021 for the best party time ever. That's a big if, though, right? March is only four months away, and we have no idea what the odds are of being ready for the best party time ever is. I'm skeptical. Hi, skeptical. I'm John. <laughs> so the UK is actually still in the middle of what is supposed to be like a second month long lockdown. The government has already stated that restrictions could last way beyond December 2nd if their infection numbers don't approve. So we'll be keeping our fingers crossed for the UK. Hopefully everyone does their part and obeying the restrictions that are in place. And the world is safe enough in March for this tour to happen and hopefully continue past mid-October. <laughs>
Yeah, so while the UK tour is hoping to move forward in 2021, it's still very much 2020 right now. Uh, that means a lot of people are stuck at home on Facebook, and I think that most of my friends and family have tagged me in that cool VR picture, the one of the ballroom. That one that was posted to the Shadowcast group a couple weeks ago. You can click on it and go around the time where you guys saw that, right? Oh, you mean the one that got posted to everyone's timeline a thousand times this week? Yeah, we've seen it. Yo, did y'all know that there are seven Franks and a Smurf in that picture? Did you know the castle is now a hotel? Honestly, that's what this picture kind of feels like with how much it's getting posted everywhere. It's <laughs> going to be the new castle. I mean, it, it. yeah, it's kind of all over the place. I thought it was really neat and like super well done. There's tons of little Easter eggs and stuff when you click around. I, I enjoyed going through it. Yeah, I spent like a solid eight or nine minutes one day looking around on it. It's it's kind of how I found the Smurf. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we, we did a little bit of research on this. The picture was made by a French comic book artist named J.L. Mast. I apologize for the name. It's probably wrong. He works for Marvel. He started back in 2012, and he does a lot of the Daredevil and Punisher stuff. Yeah, he's also worked on a lot of his own independent projects that are like mad interesting. He created a comic book back in 2011 about Dominique Strauss-Kahn. And Dominique Strauss-Kahn is a French politician who was taken to court for assaulting a maid during a trip to New York. It was like really big news at the time, but like admittedly kind of a weird thing to write a comic book about. JL's been working on a lot of digital art recently. He said that he saw the explosion of VR tech that's been going around and thought that it was really promising for digital comics. And, you know, I, I can agree. I think it probably really is. He's been working on a lot of the 360 stuff, like the Time Warp Room. And uh, he said that he wants to keep making them because it brings awareness to the new and unique art style that he's hoping to grow out. Yeah, I mean, if you check out his website, mass360.com, you can see that he has a lot of these comics, and they're all really freaking cool. He has a very diverse selection, too. He's got Toy Story and Pokemon ones, but he also has Ooh. one from the movie Gravity. Do you guys remember that? It was like a space movie from like a million years ago with Sandra Bullock and George Clooney. Yeah, I saw it in theaters. Mm -hmm. He turned it into this crazy webcomic. There's so much there. If you thought the Rocky Horror one had a lot going on, wait until you look at the Gravity one. Dope. I'm checking this out as soon as we're done recording. So me personally, I always really like seeing the different ways that people like to incorporate Rocky into their own personal art formats, like within the community and outside of it. Like this guy who just loves to draw comics and decided to just work Rocky into it. That's super dope. It's one of the best parts about being in all the Rocky Horror groups on Facebook and stuff. It's getting to see all the other things that people like to do that they somehow find ways of incorporating their love of the movie into. Yeah, did you see the other day there was a, a post where we were talking about all of our favorite like books for Rocky? I knew you were going to bring that up. Uh, genu I genuinely did not know that there were anywhere near that many books about fucking Rocky Horror in existence. Dude, there are so many, and a lot of them are, like, really weird, right? You have all the ones that, like, everybody kind of knows about. The Mick Rock book, right? That's the one that everybody uses for costuming and for photos. Or, like, Creature of the Night 1 and 2, the Sal Piero books that are, like, the whole history of the beginning of the Rocky Horror phenomenon. There's even, like, the comic books that came out, the song book, all sorts of stuff. But there are so many that, like, it would take a whole podcast just to go through them. I told you earlier I, I had just got a couple new ones in. I wanted to share some of these with you guys. 
Confessions of a Transylvanian. I've had this one for a while, written by Kevin Thies. He's writing a memoir about the drama that happened in his Rocky cast in the early days. This is the mid-80s into the 90s. It, it was a fun read because I got a good Rocky drama fix without having any Rocky drama. Uh, there's also an audiobook <laughs> version of this that he reads. So like, if you're into listening to your content, go check that one out. The craziest book that I've seen recently, though, is this book called It's Just a Jump to the Left, The Unauthorized Guide to Occult Symbolism in the Rocky Horror Picture Show. This is written by a guy named Isaac Wieschupt. I'll just give you a second to, to mull over that title. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to need a lot more than a second to mull over all this info that you're giving me right now. <laughs> well, let me tell you about this book. It is exactly what it sounds like. It is... A bunch of conspiracy theories about how the movie is linked to the occult, a bunch of like left hand path magic and like all kinds of crap about Nazis and aliens. I kid you not. There is an entire chapter that's called Seriously is Frank the Devil. Wait, does it start with Seriously? It literally does. The, the chapter is titled <laughs> Seriously is Frank the Devil. There's vampirism, numerology, chaos magic. I mean, if you want to, like, get super stoned one night and start looking at the movie in a whole other way, I wouldn't read this book, but this book is absolutely crazy. Like, for 10 bucks, it's worth a chuckle. And this last one, I got, I got to spotlight this last one. It's called The Tragedy of Rocky, The Very Picture of Horror by Nicholas Dalek. <laughs> Okay, so get this. This is Rocky Horror adapted into a Shakespearean tragedy. God. And it uses Shakespearean language, right? So imagine a movie that's been adapted to a novel that's also been translated into Shakespearean English, but by a guy who's from 2019 and may not actually be that good at it. Like, I don't know why this thing exists, but somebody made it, and I paid them $10 for it. No fucking way. Oh my god, you bought it? Oh yeah, no, no, I bought it. Can we please do a dramatic reading of it? Do you think I would have brought it up otherwise? <laughs> all right, all right, I've, 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 got, I've got a script for it here. I'll send it over to you. This is an excerpt that is right after Time Warp, right? So this is Brad and Janet standing there right after Time Warp. I'm, I'm going to go do Brad. Nikki, you can you can do Janet. And I, I guess, John, you, that makes you Frank, right? Okay. Uh, all right. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Brad, nay, we must fly. I wish it so. Whither away? We know not these wild breaks. Ask the porter. Mayhap he would know of other lodgings we may take. This Bacchanal hath taken on the firm of a right. Soft, Janet, we must not interfere. This be no church, no holy mass wilt thou disrupt, no god displeasure if you but whisper in the porter's ear. They must be of lands foreign to us. Mark their garments, the cut of their clothes doth run much counter to our own. No, we cannot guess as to their ways. But hark, the musicians strike up again. Methinks I know the pace of this dance. Oh, mockery! Fie upon you! Fie! Cold and wet I stand here still, and I would fain be feathered dry. My teeth do clack, my bones are chill, my fevered brow portends a vill, and greatly all afeard I am. I'm here, be no afeared. I bid thee welcome, soggy ones, to my castle dry as bones. My aide-de-camp you've met, I ween. Do you pardon his flippant tongue? His jibes and fleers when best you wrung. The sweetmeat man whom children sung, he'd been expecting of the inn. Art thou by 
Look out strung, judge a book's text, not what's sung. Writ upon its cover alone, daylight does not my form flatter. Perhaps, but such things do not matter, when night doth fall and moon grow fatter. I am a lover of great renown. Resplendent I am in women's garb. From my shoulders beam hangs silken scarf. Skirts billow o'er my hips and bum. From transsexual Transylvania I come. I bid thee join me in my cell. And there behold what do dwell upon a slab of marble hone. You shiver from Antissa Pachon. Ah, you shake from precipitation. Dry clothing will ablate causation. Still, you'll quake to think what you'll be shown. (laughs) (laughs) That was certainly the weirdest Rocky performance I've ever done. (laughs) No, honestly, one time, one of my students at an old college that I used to work at put on a really shitty version of A Midsummer's Night's Dream, and I was their director, and I completely butchered it. I think we need to do that, but with this. Oh, man. This is uh, this is special. I'm living. <laughs> I'm, hi, living. I'm John. I'm going to go and buy this, honestly. But uh, by the way, completely separately, though, I saw this in like one of the Rocky subreddits the other day because... Reddit is love, Reddit is life. You know what Frank is saying when he says the line, maybe the rain isn't really to blame, so I'll remove the cause but not the symptom? No. Uh, I mean, Janet, they were in the rain, right? So that's... So So the line means uh, you're shivering and wet, so I'll take you out of the rain, but you still gonna be shivering and wet. (laughs) Oh my god. I mean, that's... That's kind of hot. I mean, shit. Like, that's that is some real big dick energy there. Yep. <laughs> and um, speaking of big dick energy, we're gonna read some fan mail. <laughs> <laughs> we did receive one piece of correspondence this week that was more along the lines of a gushing fan letter than actual news. We were psyched about it, so we decided to add a little something extra to the end of our community news segment that we're going to be calling Rocky Talkies Back. If in the future we receive something like this absolute gem of a fan letter, we'll be reading it during this segment, responding to it, and basking in the glow of our internet fame that apparently drives people to send us this shit. Please tell me I can read this. Yes. Oh, fuck. All right. So this is a submission that we got from someone calling themselves, and I quote, Boo Boo Kitty of your mother's panty line, the third. (laughs) (laughs) so we don't know if this is like an alias or if it's like their christian name like (laughs) oh my god oh my god i love that i love the idea that there's like a 93 year old grandfather somewhere like in a retirement community he's hi i am boo boo kitty of your mother's panty line the first (laughs) (laughs) okay so so this message reads hi rtp I just heard on the podcast that you might be open for anything that we might want to promote. So, I was just wondering, would you feature my dick? (laughs) (laughs) Like, (laughs) Like my huge, 
rompus, thrill-seeking, swing and a miss, tumescent pinasia. It's really been on the brain for a while, and I don't just mean the nutsack. Ha. Huh. But I'm really just looking to feature my huge schlong. If you wouldn't mind. Thank you, and have a blessed day. Snoogans. <laughs> wow. Like, like, first off, great job, boo-boo kitty of your mother's panty line third, or snoogans. I don't know which one to call you, but... <laughs> This is some funny, <laughs> this is some funny shit. Hell yeah. Uh, we absolutely want to give a shout out to Boo Boo's Swing and a Miss Schlong. We're glad <laughs> it's working out for you, buddy. Great job. Just keep practicing that swing and maybe one day you'll stop missing. You'll make it to second base. Oh, <laughs> oh my God. Oh. Nikki out here with the burn. I love it. <laughs> wow. I mean, I, I really liked the Jay and Silent Bob references. My wife calls me boo-boo kitty fucking bed. So this letter gave me some very confusing warm fuzzies. Also a very confusing hard on. Huh? Right. And <laughs> Sigh. Unzips pants. But in all, <laughs> in all serious, dude, we love this letter. Totally made all of our days. We're really entertained to have the opportunity to let everyone know how great that dick is. So thanks for writing in. Honestly, keep them coming. And to any of you who have a Panasia as rompous as boo-boos that would love a similar shout-out, or if you just have, like, actual community news or, you know, cool stuff that you'd like to feature in this segment or, you know, things that are, like, actually relevant, like, send us a message on our website, rockytalkypodcast.com and we'll tell everyone about it on the show no matter how personal and intimate that it may be damn straight so before we end our uh, community news segment we received some sad news this week our friend hadrian gas new york city alum uh, he currently performs with the excited mental state cast they're up in toronto he wrote and let us know that one of his fellow cast members sylvia urbanski recently passed away she performed as both Frank and Janet, and while none of us have ever had the privilege of seeing her on stage, we're told that she was a bubbly person, an incredibly passionate performer, and she loved putting her own spin on the characters she portrayed. It's always tragic to lose a fellow community member, and every now and then we'll see in one of the community groups that someone has passed on, and it's always touching to watch everyone come together and be so supportive to those who are grieving. We here at Rocky Talkie, we extend our sincerest condolences to everyone a part of Excited Mental State. We're very sorry for your loss. On the brighter side, it's time for Nikki Ask the Question. So this is the part of the show where Nikki's going to ask a question. John and I are going to do our best to answer it, and hopefully we'll all learn something. Nikki, what do you got for us this week? All right. Y'all ready for this? Let's do it. <laughs> so... There are so many different cuts of this movie. I've seen ones with and without superheroes, a black and white version. There's a whole cut song that I've never heard of. Why are there so many different versions? Good question, Nikki. Very good question. Yeah. So <clears throat> you're welcome. <laughs> Unlike the one that you asked last week, this one is good. So the, <laughs> so the black and white opening is a special feature on the DVD and the Blu-ray. Barry Bostwick just did the song that you said that you never heard of once in a while on the DNC show. And it was actually originally in the stage show. 
Janet has some verses with Rocky. They did it in the remake. And then Superheroes is a song that happens at the very end of the movie uh, after Brad and Janet come out of the castle and it, you know, flies off as castles typically do. Mm-hmm. And Superheroes is the song that Brad and Janet are singing and they're crawling around looking like they just got out of Cats 2019. Dr. Scott is on the ground and it goes all the way up until Krim's final verse. Yeah, I mean, for a long time, the only version that most people had available to them didn't have superheroes. Like, once in a while was never part of an official release of the movie. It's always only ever been a special feature on the VHS and Laserdisc releases, and now on the DVD and Blu-ray that everybody owns. Wait, wait, can I please get a second question? What the hell is a Laserdisc? Oh. You sweet summer child. Hey! All right, so a laser disc for Nikki as well as all the four-year-olds that are listening to this. Um, <laughs> oh my god! Wait. So a laser disc is a big, giant, twelve-inch disc. Nice. Uh, <laughs> nice, right? Tell me more. Right, much like a uh, Boo Boo Kitty Shalong Master Nine Thousands. <laughs> so when it was released, it was a uh, it was a type of CD that had a much higher audio and video quality than other discs at the time laser discs had menus and special features whereas other discs you would just put in and the movie would play or like the song would you know anything like that uh they used them in schools they pushed them around on like those little stupid carts you know i think i had those like one year in elementary school that sounds about right yeah yeah so the laser disc was different than the other versions yep yeah. Mm-hmm. How many versions of Rocky actually are there? Oh, boy. Um, a lot. It, it, yeah, no, just a lot. Like, you got to remember that, <laughs> that Rocky evolved <laughs> over the course of its release. Like, there's been versions without superheroes. There's at least three different versions of the soundtrack. I mean, that's a whole separate conversation. The original, right, the 1975 UK theatrical release has superheroes in it. But the end credits, right, they don't have any cast pictures there. It's got science fiction double feature and then the instrumental of Time Warp, but no cast pictures. The U.S. version, right, when they released it, we talked about this last week on the Midnight Movie Circuit. That one has superheroes cut off. It doesn't have Brad and Janet's verse, and it skips straight from the castle launching to the Crim's verse. So, like, the primary reason when they decided to put the movie on the Midnight Circuit that they cut superheroes, it was too much of a downer. They thought that a U.S. cult movie audience just wouldn't like it being there. Okay, real talk, though. If we're going to talk about superheroes being a downer, I got to ask, Nikki, what is your opinion on superheroes being in the movie? Listen, as somebody who plays Janet and also just, like, consumes the movie on a regular basis— I really enjoy superheroes. I think it's a great scene for crowd interaction because you can like crawl through the fucking aisles and be all up in people's shit. And like, who doesn't want to see a homeboy and a cute chick just like rolling around in lingerie for like a minute? I think it's fun. Yeah, I'm going to 100% agree with you there. I love superheroes being a part of the movie. Every single time I've ever done a performance of Rocky and superheroes isn't in it and I'm playing either Brad or Janet, I get, like, kind of sad because it has one of my favorite bits that I do. For those of you who don't know what I look like, like, I'm bald, so I wear wigs for nearly every single character. And whenever I play Brad or Janet, at the very end of Superheroes, like, at the drop of, you know, their last line in the song, I usually slowly, like, pull off my wig, and it usually gets, like, the greatest 
cheer that I will ever get during a Rocky show. <laughs> mm -hmm. But also, like, going back to the reason why they took out superheroes, because it was too much of a downer, I honestly didn't even know that there was an emotion that I was supposed to feel when watching this fucking movie to begin with, aside from complete confusion. Yeah, so, absolutely. So I don't really care if it's a downer or not. It's a bop, and I get to show off that I'm bald, so I think it needs to stay in. This is all a lot to take in. All I know for certain is that the movie I see now usually has superheroes and then the whole ending with the picture credits while science fiction double feature and time warp play. So, yeah, I mean, it would be a while before Fox realized that the fans wanted superheroes at the end of the movie. The picture credits were there from the start. They added those for the 75 Midnight Movie Circuit release. That version, the one without superheroes with the picture credits, that was still the original mono soundtrack, that's the one that played in theaters all the way up until the 90s. As you got into the 90s, there was this huge question when the movie was going to come out on VHS, right? We talked about it earlier. We just hit the 30th anniversary. A little bit before that, though, in 1987, there was a UK home video release, and that one matched the 75 UK theatrical release. So that one had superheroes on it. But those early VHSs, right, those were a super high-end market, and it wasn't until the 90s that enough people actually owned VHS players and there were video stores everywhere that Fox really considered putting out Rocky on VHS. Oh, yeah, like how the VHS sold for 90 bucks in the segment earlier. So it wasn't until 1990 that we actually saw the first VHS release. Did any of you actually, like, see that VHS in public because the first time I saw the movie was like in 2015 when Savannah my partner dragged me to go see the NYC cast VHSs were eradicated like six years before I was born guys <laughs> I see okay yes my first copy of Rocky was on VHS my dad had a copy of it but it was never opened so it always sat on our shelf still like mint in bubble wrap with the big red lips on the side and I always thought that it was like this scary horror movie and I was I was too young to watch it because it was a scary horror movie I found out that, that was not the case when I finally watched it when I was in Actually, I think the first time I ever, like, saw it, saw it was on VH1 in, like, the early, that was, like, 2000 when they did that. The VHS, like, black box, big red lips on it. it it's an intimidating cover. They wanted to do that, right? They wanted to make it really special for the 1990 video release. It had brand new stereo audio. But fun story there, the deadline for the audio for superheroes came and went before they could release it. So they cut it. They cut superheroes from the home video release. So the original audio was in mono and they updated it. That's kind of cool. Like the whole mix is different. Cosmos Factory, the website has a ton of documentation, like specifically about what changed between each audio version. We'll throw a link for that in the show notes. Um, but Fox finally finished that version later. Like they actually finished the stereo audio and well, most of the releases afterwards included it. The Laserdisc especially had it on there. But I saw that even the later VHS releases didn't have superheroes. Yeah. So this is what's bullshit. When the video was re-released at that lower price, like we had talked about, they didn't include superheroes because it, and this is their explanation, Fox's explanation, it wouldn't have been fair to those who had paid the $90 for the original release. That's a stupid excuse. Honestly, I mean, you can bet that they won't do that today. That would be a microtransaction. 
nobody pays for microtransactions except well you know like fans fans would buy twice three four times over hell i can't tell you how many times i've put in for a microtransaction for something when pokemon go was a thing i'm pretty sure i cashed up to like 150 200 bucks on stuff from pokemon go that's 150 to 200 bucks that I'm never going to get back. Yeah, I mean, I think I need two hands to count the number of copies of Rocky that I own. Like, another copy would not have been a problem for me. Right. So, yeah, I mean, Fox was still not on the same page as all of the fans. Like, we wanted superheroes, and we were slowly getting it. Throughout the early to mid-90s, we were doing everything we could, we being the community. Time Warp, the UK fan club, they ran conventions in 92, 94, and 99. Well, they had connections at Fox, and they got new prints of the film done for each of these conventions. When Fox asked them what they wanted with it, they said, well, we want it to include superheroes. And all of those prints made it into circulation in the UK. I mean, this is the way that, like, every print that you've probably seen now is it's got superheroes in it. Okay, so the fans are starting to get superheroes out there in theaters. Fox screwed something up, and we lost superheroes in the version we could watch at home. What about Once in a While? Where is it this whole time? Oh, Once in a While's lost. It's sitting in an archive somewhere. <laughs> uh, once in a While, it, it's on the DVD and Blu-ray. So, like, we know they found it. And it's also in the original stage play. Like, we just saw Barry sing it at the DNC show. Like, they eventually had to have found it. Yeah, so this is actually a really cool story. Once in a while was a rumor for a long time. It was lost footage that we'd heard about but didn't think that we would ever get to see. There were rumors floating around online in 1995 that Fox was hunting for a copy for the 20th anniversary. So they found it, or at least they found some of it, and they reconstructed it with shots from earlier in the film. So in 1995, the 20th anniversary convention in New York City happened, and that was the first time that they revealed the reconstructed version of Once in a While, pretty much exactly in the same form that you've seen it on the special features on the DVD or the Blu-ray. Yeah, like that, or, you know, cut into virtual shows, which is like the new thing. <laughs> I always love that. Every, honestly, every single virtual show is like, we got to do Once in a While. Yeah, so there's a really cool message that's archived in the Rocky Horror News Group. That was an online chat community from 1996. Uh, Bill Brennan, Rocky Horror legend, he says in his post, quote, I can recall the screening of Once in a While at the 20th anniversary. I was standing next to Madman Mike. He's the longtime uh, member and leader of the New York City cast. Bill goes on, he, like myself and a number of others there at the Roxy, were kind of teary-eyed. So I guess the memories associated with it make it fun for me. I mean, that's really cool, right? Like, there was this bit of film that everybody had kind of rumored that it was there. And, like, everyone was so emotional sitting there watching it. I mean, I myself have teared up standing next to Madman Mike before, but that's mostly because I didn't smoke menthol and he did, so... <laughs> <laughs> oh so it was partial footage and they spliced it together right so all those flashbacks at the beginning of the song they make sense now so like all that footage is gone kind of some of it's still there so john you've seen once in a while there's pauses right at the end of most of the verses in the movie script the gaps were supposed to be filled by a monologue that was done by janet and most of that monologue was what was between her saying all of the, if only, 
bits when she steps out of the elevator and discovers Brad and Frank together. So when O'Brien wrote the screenplay, he chopped all of that up and he turned it into once in a while. Wait, so that's why Janet's whole thing is such an edited mess. If only we hadn't made this journey switch. If only the car hadn't broken down switch. If only I had a better script to work with. I'm sorry. You're not wrong. That's exactly what it was. All of that was chopped up and then reconstructed back together. And that's why that's an absolute mess. It's so funny when you're like, oh, wow, the editor didn't do a horrible job. He actually turned a pile of nothing into something. So they found once in a while, right? And just in time for the 20th anniversary. So this time Fox was like, oh, well, we're going to do a big release with the 20th anniversary. We have no problem charging people again. That'll be fair. And in December of 95, they released the 20th anniversary Laserdisc box set. And if you were upset before, listen to this. Retail price, $124.98. What the fuck? Ah, uh, Yes. $125 for a special edition of this movie. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, let's transport back, you know, to the 20th anniversary, December 95. Mm-hmm. You know, it was the first time that everyone got to see all the special features that the Laserdiscs allowed. It was like the highest quality version of the Rocky Horror Picture Show that you could get without importing it. Like... They had a new letterbox transfer. They had the stereo track. They had an audience participation track. They had deleted scenes once in a while and superheroes as supplements on the Laserdisc. They had outtakes. They had a documentary. They had a, a shit you not, a 24 karat gold CD of the soundtrack. And then they also bundled it with the Sal Piero book, Creatures of the Night 2, Lost in New York. So... <laughs> I mean, that's a pile of stuff. So, all right, 125 bucks. Okay. So, the collectors can have superheroes in once in a while, but it's not out there for everyone. And a lot of the theaters are still showing Rocky without superheroes? Yeah, that's right. So, in 96, right, Fox is finally getting with it. They start replacing some of the prints that are out there, the ones that are being shown in theaters, with new prints. They include the stereo audio because they finished it right it was released on the laser disc and finally finally they start putting superheroes on these prints but that makes some fans really excited because great we got superheroes but there's other fans who are going wait but why'd you screw with the soundtrack we liked the original mono soundtrack so that is going to continue to be a problem for another several years In 98, they release another special edition VHS. This has the stereo audio, and it includes both Once in a While and Superheroes, but there's still supplements. There are extra features on it. They're not baked into the movie. Now, this has to be just about the time the DVDs started becoming a thing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. In October of 2000, it's the 25th anniversary, and that's when Fox releases the two-disc DVD, mostly in the U.S. Always Halloween releases for Rocky. Yeah, I mean, Fox is consistent about that. The DVD carried over all the features from the 20th anniversary Laserdisc. It had an anamorphic transfer, a newly mixed 5.1 surround sound track. So now we're up to three. We had the mono, we had the stereo, now we're at 5.1 surround. And finally, for the first time, they bundled the original mono soundtrack on the DVD. No, I actually do remember this because it has the option to have superheroes in the film. Mm -hmm. So you could, like, either pick, like, the UK or the US version and then, like, 
depending on what you chose, you either got the version of the movie that did or didn't have superheroes in it. Yeah, and they released a VHS at the same time where superheroes is finally back in the film. It's not a special feature also on the VHS. And that VHS had a stereo mix down of the new 5.1 track. So yet another version of the sound, whether you consider it new or not, right? It's a stereo mix down. So by 2000, we pretty much have what's available today, superheroes in the movie, and once in a while as a special feature. Yeah, the only other thing would be the Blu-ray release in 2010, which was released for the, my math, uh, 35th anniversary. Yeah, so that's really nice because they did a new transfer for the Blu-ray, a 4K 2K scan from the original camera negatives. So they also had a brand new mix, right? A 7.1 surround track. And again, they've included the mono track on the Blu-ray because fans really like the original mono track. The version that they did for the Blu-ray, that's pretty much what you see projected in theaters now. When they show a digital version, it's slightly modified from the version that you're going to see on the blu-ray yeah aaron um i have no idea what any of that means (laughs) all i know is is that's the version where brad's bedroom scene isn't blue yeah there's there's you know there's still a few problems maybe they'll fix it for the 50th we'll see (laughs) okay hold on hold on what about the alternate black and white opening that wasn't a part of any of those releases no that's just because it wasn't like it was just a special feature It was kind of intended to be like an homage to like the Wizard of Oz. You know, the Wizard of Oz is like black and white and stuff before she gets to, you know, Oz, Oz, the land of, yeah, to to (laughs) Oz, you know, the titular location. But originally it was in the shooting script. So the black and white was conceived to end when Frank appeared. You know, this is going to be an excerpt from the script. Don't know when the date was, but we got this courtesy of uh, RockyMusic.org. So you have the beginning of the movie. The film will now commence in black and white on Academy format. It will extend to widescreen 1.1-85 at sequence 41 while still remaining in black and white. At sequence 54, the film changes to color. And it goes on to say at sequence 54, the figure turns and throws open lift cage door. As camera zooms into the death mask above them, the film changes from black and white to color. However, the only color in evidence is the red lipstick on the mouth of their host. So the whole film was obviously shot on film in color anyway. And it's just on the DVC Blu-ray. The first 20 or so minutes of Rocky can optionally be black and white. And it switches to color when Brad, Janet, Riff, and Magenta enter the ballroom during time warp, which is actually not where it was supposed to switch in the original script anyway. Yeah, I think they uh, shot that one down because it it just didn't play, right? I mean, I've watched it, and it's fine. It's interesting to see, but it really doesn't add a whole lot. Plus, could you imagine trying to do costumes for wedding scene, not knowing what color they are? Oh, my God. I mean, I'm colorblind anyway, so it wouldn't have made a big difference to me. But my heart breaks for all of you and your screen-accurate portrayals if they actually ended up keeping that. I've actually even seen a version where people have shown the black-and-white intro, and they've done black-and-white costumes. That's actually really crafty. Yeah, it's super neat. Super neat. Savannah, at one point, we did a holiday-themed show for NYC. It's got to be like two or three years Mm -hmm. ago. And she played Brad for it, and she played the main character from It's a Wonderful Life, so every single costume that she brought in was some form of monochrome and it throws you back oh that's fun yeah it was super fun i take all the credit for it because it was my idea nice well 
I would say that you both certainly answered my question. So thank you, guys. Yay! Nikki, thank you for providing us content. Keeping you on your toes. If you have a show or community question, too, all you have to do is go to our website, rockytalkypodcast.com, and fill out the form in the Contact Us section. I'll ask it on the show, and we can all learn about it together. And that's going to do it for this week's episode. So before we go, we want to thank everyone who took the time to leave us a really nice comment or review this past week. A special shout out to the person who showed up in my Twitch channel who legitimately was like, I heard your podcast and I had to follow you on Twitch. That made my entire freaking night. Launching a new project like this is really, really, really exciting. And it's also kind of nerve wracking. And it was just really cool to have so much love and support from our friends, our community, and even the people who don't even know who we are, but just kind of found it somewhere on the internet. Like, we love all of you, and we really appreciate all of you, too. We're on Facebook and Instagram. That's at Rocky Talkie Podcast. So if you liked us, please go and check us out there. Again, for the millionth time, if you want to write us and tell us some cool shit to feature in the show, or if you want me to ask a question for you, go to our website, RockyTalkiePodcast.com, and fill out our contact form. We're so excited to hear from you. And we will see all of you next Thursday. Bye! Bye. See ya! Fuck me, dude. (laughs) I got a goddamn sonnet. Hold on.